I recently got an email from a listener asking us to do an episode on basic accounting for musicians. I thought this was a great idea, so here it is, Accounting 101 for Artists. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rock Stars. Support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, Merch Table partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit merchtable.com to learn more and open a store today. Today, we talk about managing your band as a business at the most basic level, organizing yourself and your money. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Support for the future of what comes from Sound Exchange. You're listening to the future of what. I'm talking to Emily Kingen. Emily, welcome to the future of what. Thank you. Glad to be here. So nice to have you. So, in your former life, you were a CPA for artists, musicians, bands. I wasn't actually a CPA. So, in Oregon, you have to be licensed, and I'm what they call a licensed tax consultant. Oh. It's kind of like an upper level of licensing here okay. in Oregon. And I also have an enrolled agent designation, which is basically says I'm enrolled with the IRS to practice tax preparation. Oh, excellent. So, I'm not actually a CPA. Okay. But you did help a lot of bands with their so many bands. Tax yeah. Preparation. yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. My clientele has mostly been musicians and artists. And at one point I had like 450 clients. So I don't have that many anymore because I'm phasing out. But yeah, I've helped a lot of bands. (laughs) That's awesome. So this is basically an accounting 101 episode that we're doing today. So I remember back in the day when I was in a band, we were all sole proprietors. You know, we were all just individual people when we filed our tax returns. So we had to file a Schedule C. What is it that triggers having to file a Schedule C? Well, the rules are if you make over $400 of self-employment income, that you're supposed to file a Schedule C. So it's not hard to meet that requirement, obviously. Right. Yeah. Like a few gigs. (laughs) We hope. We hope. (laughs) Yeah. Best case scenario. Although we did did plenty of $40 a night gigs. (laughs) Yeah. I guess it depends on the gigs, right? So now I think the interesting part for artists to know and really important is how do you deal with your income and your expenses? Yeah, so this is like probably the most important aspect of this because organization is key. So I encourage people, if you're starting to do music or really sort of any self-employment endeavor, especially for creatives, to come up with some system to track their income and expenses. And chances are, you're going to have to file a Schedule C if you're going to follow the IRS rules, but you're going to be in the best situation if you keep really good track of your expenses because you only pay tax on the difference of those two things. So you could make $1,000 as a musician, but you might have $3,000 worth of expenses. And that's really great because then you don't pay any self-employment tax and any of that loss counts against any other income you make. That's awesome. Though I will caution people that if you have a big loss like that more than three years in a row, it can put you in a situation where the IRS is going to start asking questions. So that would be like an example of a red flag. Right. Don't claim a loss three years in a row. Right. 
So let's talk so that people know really specifically, like if you're, let's say a drummer, Mm -hmm. what expenses can you write off or can you claim as expenses against your income as a musician? Sure. There are so many. And the IRS has, their terminology is that it would be anything that's ordinary or necessary for you to do your job. Okay. So for each occupation, that's going to be really different. Specifically for a drummer, you could write off the cost of a new drum kit, sticks, drum heads, lessons. Anytime you go out and have a meal with someone else who's in the music industry or another drummer, you can write that off. Travel, you can write off a portion of your cell phone bill. You can write off mileage in your car. Of course, these are all going to be business-related things. So you'd have to be driving to a gig or driving to the music store or something business-related to write off those miles. And the travel, the same thing. You'd have to be like going to another city to play a gig, and that would be a write-off as far as travel goes. You can write off consultations with an accountant or a bookkeeper or a lawyer. There's so many things, and it really helps to talk to other people that are drummers or other musicians to see what they're writing off if you're not quite sure mm-hmm. what those things are. Right. But it'd be anything that you need to do your job. And if you were ever in the case where you were audited, you just have to back up the reason why you needed that thing. I've seen IRS auditors really pick on things like a Spotify subscription or like a Netflix subscription. So you'd want to have a good reason why you have those and why you write those off. But those are maybe unusual. For the most part, any of the things that I mentioned would be really normal for a drummer to write off. Cool. So now as a band grows, let's say we're talking about a band Mm because single musician is pretty straightforward. But let's say we're talking about a band. We've talked before on the show about at some point, it's probably a good idea to become an entity of some sort, like an LLC. Sure. And then have an LLC bank account, a bank account for the band, at which point you can start running expenses and income through that bank account. Mm -hmm. But how does that affect the individual taxes of each band member? It's a good question. So if you were to form an LLC as a band... And do what you said, open a business bank account. You would be wanting to put all business income into that bank account and pay for all business expenses out of that bank account. And so what that looks like on your taxes, you're no longer going to file a Schedule C for the band. You might do it individually, but that band is going to file the IRS tax form 1065, which is a partnership tax return where you claim your income and subtract your expenses. And then whatever you're left with, gets reported on what's called a K-1, and that's kind of like a W-2 or a 1099. It has your taxpayer information and your share of the profit or loss. And then that K-1, you report on your personal tax return. And you can actually write off anything that you buy individually against that income also. So say you're a drummer and you buy a new drum set, but you pay for it. Mm -hmm. And say you get a K-1 from your band where you made like, let's say $10,000, you can still write off the cost of that drum set against your $10,000 of K-1 income. Okay, cool. Yeah. So basically, let's say it's me, Portia, and I'm a sole proprietor, individual human, Mm -hmm. and I'm filing my taxes, and then I have a Schedule C to show Mm -hmm. my self-employment income. And I also get this K-1 from my band that says Mm -hmm. $10,000. We made $10,000, so I can put $10,000 of income but then I can claim all the expenses that I personally paid for that didn't get paid for out of the band bank account, right? So my new $5,000 drum kit and my whatever. What about like my portion of practice space rent? Or is that something that at some point somebody would 
It probably. depends. So if the LLC is paying for it, right. then that would already be accounted for. Right. But if you didn't pay for it with the LLC money, then yeah, you could write off your portion of a practice space for sure. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And just, just to clarify, the K-1 income doesn't actually get reported on a Schedule C. It gets reported on a Schedule E. Oh, dear. So <laughs> so at that point, your your taxes are pretty complicated. You're filing a lot of forms. There's a lot of forms, yeah. yeah. But if, like, say, for example, this same situation, and you also had income from a personal project, you could choose if you want to write off that drum set on your Schedule C against the money from your personal business or on the Schedule E against the K-1 income. Gotcha. So... Now, let's say a band's doing pretty well, right? And they're starting to make some serious money. And mm-hmm. I don't know, let's say the band is making like $30,000 of income a year. And they have an LLC and they've got a, a bank account and everything. Mm-hmm. Is there anything to keep them from just funneling all band expenses through that band account? Like, is there any reason that you would want to do some personal expenses, spend some things personally? Or would you literally want to just have everything paid for by the band? You know, I think that really depends on the people involved. Your business partners in your band might not agree that you need to buy a $5,000 drum kit with the <laughs> LLC money. I guess that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, so in essence, they're paying for that too, right? Because it's a joint expense mm-hmm. at that point. So it's probably going to depend on what you decide as a band. There's no tax advantage to doing one or the other. If you ran everything through the LLC account, you don't have to file a Schedule C potentially. And that could be less complicated or less expensive if you're paying someone to do your taxes. But it might be more complicated for your relationship with your bandmates. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of flexibility there, actually. Right. There's not a right way or a wrong way. Some color came from gray. It's gone from worse to good than great. It's something real was it destiny not fate if the end was prophesized? A plot was ill-conceived, with a message not defined. Its meaning was received. And all of the others don't belong. I think we know, no, no, that we were born.
was Born in Love by Horse Feathers. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Emily Kingen. So can you remind us what protections an LLC gives to the individuals who are members of it? That's probably more of a question for a lawyer, but my understanding of that is that an LLC would protect your personal assets if your LLC was ever sued. Hmm. So let's say you release a song and someone says that you're plagiarizing. The LLC would bear the brunt of that, and you wouldn't have to worry about like losing your house, for example. Gotcha. Although this is sort of my tax preparer understanding, and if this situation came up, you should probably talk to a lawyer, actually. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Do you ever deal with, because I remember when I was managing bands, I was always advised to have the band create two LLCs, one for the band Mm -hmm. and one for the touring entity of the band. Hmm. Did you ever run into that? Is that something you've seen? I have one client who does that, and I think it makes a lot of sense as far as organizing, like keeping him organized. I could see why that would be a good thing, although he was actually one of the clients that I had that was audited. Mm. And one of the triggers for that audit was that he was filing two Schedule Cs, one for publishing and one for touring. Oh, wow. So at that point, I was like, huh, maybe this isn't the best idea. Right. (laughs) You have a healthy fear of audits, I understand. (laughs) Well, I think all of this talk is basically to prevent an audit, right? Right. Or to safeguard yourself in the case of an audit. Because outside of that, this is just honor system. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. But you have said that an audit can sometimes work out in a person's favor. They can sometimes get money back. I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you keep good records and you're really, you know, smart about it. For sure. So if you go through an audit proceeding, the auditor will ask to see all of your records in a certain category, like, for example, in your travel category. And you might have missed something. And so this is like an opportunity to go through all of your records and see okay, what are my travel expenses? In a lot of cases, people miss something. Mm. It's more likely that you're going to miss something if, if you're doing it right than that you made something up. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're doing it, honestly. Right. And then you can actually show them like, oh, here's that receipt for that $200 dinner that I claimed. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I totally forgot to claim it on my tax return. So right. then you get credit for that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. So what's some advice that you have having had, you know, hundreds of clients now and seen tons of this? What, what's your advice for young musicians starting out? I think the main thing is to get organized. And there's so many ways to organize your income and expenses. I think people can get hung up on thinking they need to use some sort of software like QuickBooks because it might be like a steep learning curve for them or it's cost prohibitive. But you don't need QuickBooks to 
keep good records. I've seen people just have like a ledger. You can buy like cute little old-fashioned ledgers to use. You could use an Excel spreadsheet or you could just throw receipts in a box. You could also get a credit card that you only use for band expenses or, you know, personal musician expenses. Or you could get like a separate bank account that's only what you use for your music business. So I think adopting a strategy to keep yourself organized is like the number one thing you can do. And it can be anything that makes sense to you. You just have to be able to show if you were ever audited your receipts or your ledger or something that substantiates your expenses. I guess a bank account is nice because they send you a bank statement. Yeah, I think the bank account is probably the easiest and best way to to go about it because you have all of that paperwork on the bank statements and you don't really have to do much. And a lot of banks let you download everything as an Excel spreadsheet or a CSV. Yeah. And it's really easy to create a report that way. So I think that's probably the best advice is just start a business bank account. It doesn't even have to be a business bank account. It could just be a separate bank account that you run all income and expenses through that are related to your music business. Right. The other advice I would say is keep a mileage log Mm. because that tends to add up to be a great expense and people forget to do it and then they don't want to go back and figure it out. And there's a lot of apps that help you with that. Mm. There's one I like called Mileage IQ. It costs 60 bucks, which is not cheap for an app, but it tracks all of your driving behind the scenes. You don't have to log it. Mm, And then you like, I think you swipe right if it's business and swipe left if it's personal. Oh, wow. So it's really easy to use. Oh, that's really easy. And it can really help as far as like if if you're owing a lot of money that year, if you have a mileage log, it could really reduce the the tax you owe. Oh, that's great. That's really good advice. Because I think probably people never think of how to keep track of their mileage Mm because it seems, I mean, to me, that sounds really hard. Yeah. I mean, it takes some diligence and it's kind of annoying to do. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So what about people, because I feel like this is probably really common. It's like you, you get into a band, it's really fun. You're hanging out with your friends. It's, it's not serious in the beginning, you know, it's fun in the beginning, but then maybe you start to play some bigger gigs and maybe you start to play out of town and Mm -hmm. maybe you go on a tour and all of a sudden you're like a working musician and you have this income and and it's like a thing. Yeah. Then you go, oh my God, I have to file taxes. I didn't keep anything because I didn't know that this was going to be like my life. Mm -hmm. What do you tell those people to do? Yeah, that's tough. (laughs) It's harder to go back retroactively and keep track of stuff. I guess in that situation, I would say, okay, so you didn't do a good job of this last year. Start now, start right now. And try to find what you can. Like, you can still get personal bank statements sure. and pick and, like, highlight the ones that were business-related. Mm-hmm. Like, if you might get a 1099, and that would be, that's, like, really common. That would be what would, you know, necessitate you filing a Schedule C if you get a 1099 for a show you played. So you can go back and look at, and see what you spent. But at that point, I would say, you know, just keep track. So, like, better late than never. Like, I start. think so, yeah. Just start. I went into an audit recently and the auditor was willing to overlook the fact that my client hadn't issued 1099s for her contractors that year because she had started doing it in the next year. Ah, so great. Yeah. I think I just have lucked out though with good, (laughs) like kind hearted auditors. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's nice to know there are kind hearted auditors. Yeah. I'm sure that makes everyone feel better. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Emily Kingen for being with us today on The Future of What. My pleasure. Thank you. 
That was Mystic by Cindy Wilson. You're listening to The Future of What. After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. When Kill Rockstars was looking for someone to take over our fulfillment operation, Merch Table stepped up to do the heavy lifting, moving our entire stock to their warehouse and helping us create merch our fans love. With Merch Table's support, we've been able to focus on the music and artists that matter to us. KRS loves Merch Table. See what they can do for your business at merchtable.com. You're listening to the future of what? I'm talking to Hunter Giles and Jordan Iannucci of Infinite Aggregate. Hey guys, welcome to the future of what? Hey. Hey. So today's episode is basically an accounting 101 for bands and artists, young artists starting out, older artists, whatever, whoever will take anybody. 
so I wanted to talk to you guys because this is a big thing that you guys do is help artists with their accounting. So you guys want to just tell me what that looks like in general, you know, what stage do artists come to you? Like any stage or at the beginning stages or what? Usually artists come to us when they first start making money, but have no idea how much money they are actually making. (laughs) Perfect. So it is usually in like the haze of successful record that is on their friend's label or maybe their own label, and then a good tour. Right, right. Like the first time they have actual money is is what you're saying? Yeah, like the first time where, you you know what, here's a good analogy for it. It's when they go from buying groceries when they're on tour to like eating a Taco Bell every night. Ooh, yeah, that's that's, the stage. That's a step up. And they're not like (laughs) at the point where they're going to Chipotle yet. (laughs) <laughs> but they're not going to like the AMP in every town. Right. Totally. So let's just start with real basics. What is the first thing that you tell artists to do when they come to you at that Taco Bell purchasing stage? To get their own bank account for the band. Mm. The hardest thing for artists to get over mentally is viewing their artistic project, both as an extension of themselves, but also as their job. And once it becomes their job, it is very important to treat your personal finances and your Mm -hmm. job finances differently. The number one reason why people can't tell how much money they're making is because they see no distinction between band expenses, artist expenses, and like their personal expenses. To them, it's all like this holistic thing. And while it feels very holistic to the IRS or to your landlord, they are very different things. <laughs> so now if they need to set up a bank account, does that mean that first they need to become like an LLC or something? It depends. If it is one artist and they would become a single member LLC, there's not a huge distinction. Like it, it passes through so simply that you can more or less just get a bank account. And as long as use one debit card for your personal stuff and use one debit card for gas and food on the road, it doesn't make a huge difference. As long as there is a clear line where you, the person, and you, the artist, are kept separate from. Now, at what point do you tell people eventually you're going to want to create an LLC or some kind of tax structure that's not just a sole proprietorship personal type of thing? Yeah. Normally, that is what I tell people when you're losing money. I kind of, I mean, you could do it if you wanted to, if, if you're the type of person that likes to like have all your ducks in a row and you're all ready to go for the huge popularity explosion. But for the most part, I like to have people do it when it's necessary, just because it, it tends to feel more natural and it is easier to adjust your internal perspectives of what you're doing at that point. Cool. So, okay, let's say we've got a, a band and they've come to you and they've said, all right, we're eating a Taco Bell. This is this is the big time. Like, I need help <laughs> with the money. What do you have them do to help you help them? Well, if they don't have an LLC, we'll help them make one. And then we get a bank account. And then normally it is getting some sort of accounting software like QuickBooks. 
those are kind of like the three base level things that I recommend for everyone. And a lot of people think that they can get around using something like QuickBooks, but for the most part, if you're at the level in which you need to start keeping track of your money, you should also be prepared to make more money, in which case you will need QuickBooks and you should just use it from the beginning. Or Zero, or any other actual accounting software. I'm not endorsing QuickBooks directly, although it is what I prefer. Hunter, did you want to jump in there? No, this is a whole different thing from what I do, but I love hearing him talk about it, so I'm I'm a happy <laughs> camper over here. Okay, so any kind of accounting software, is there free accounting software out there that people can use, or does accounting software cost money for bands? Like, what do you suggest that they look for? There is free accounting software. Like, there's Wave. You could also probably use Mint if you really want to, but QuickBooks... For a band's purpose, you can get it for under $20 a month, and I think it's it's a worthwhile expense. Okay, that's a good point. So now, do they then have to manage their own money, or do you have systems to help them figure out where their money's coming from? I have a little two-page orientation that I give to everyone once I start working with them, and it explains what I will do for them, which is either monthly or quarterly reports for their profit and loss and cash flow and what a tour budget looks like if their manager wants me to do a tour budget. And then it explains what I need from them in order for me to do my job properly, which is stuff like keep personal and business separate and keep receipts and let me know when you get a check and let me know when you write a check and Make sure you have a spreadsheet of all your tour dates so I can reconcile what your tour manager said you made versus what went into your bank account. Stuff like that. I can't do everything for them. And I feel like sometimes what happens is people put off thinking about money for so long that when they finally do, it is when they're at a breaking point where it's so backed up and it's so stressful that they just want to pay somebody so they can never think about it again. <laughs> and those clients I often see a high turnover for because there is no point where you pay somebody to think about money for you. If you're not actively engaged with it, it probably isn't getting done right. And it also probably isn't in your best interest to not be engaged with it on some active level. Jordan, I'm so happy to hear you say that because... Honestly, I've been saying this for so long. It's like artists don't want to deal, for the most part, don't want to deal with their finances for a myriad of reasons, but mostly because it's really confusing and really stressful and all of the above. But it's like you have to have a baseline of knowledge about what kind of money is coming in or else you're just so open to somebody ripping you off. And I feel like that part is just not clearly understood. They're like, oh, I'll just pay someone to take care of it. And then, you know, you used to hear all these stories in the music business of, so-and-so's manager made off with, you know, $20 million and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I just feel like, you know, I'm so glad you said that because it's so true. Artists have to understand their money. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the biggest thing you can do to protect yourself from getting taken advantage of is just have a working understanding of what's happening around you. Additionally, I do think that being able to make money and make a living off your art, which are two different things, by the way. Making some amount of money and making a living are very different. Right. But either of those things is a stage that 
a lot of people would kill to get, not literally kill to get to, but would work their ass off to get to that stage. And I think it is, you know, I think it's part of the responsibility of making money to be aware of it. It's part of understanding what you're doing because what you're doing isn't just making art. It's also having a job. And the having a job part of it is like a very finite position that you should be very grateful to be in. And what do you think, because I've been talking about this a bunch because it just keeps coming up over and over. What do you think the disconnect is? You sort of alluded to it at the very beginning of this conversation, but I feel like artists have, it's, it's almost like a weird modesty thing. It's like, oh, I don't want to think of what I'm doing as a job because that would like cheapen it or something. Like it's my art or it's my self-expression or it's fun. But like to think of it as a job somehow makes it less. I have two answers to this. My optimistic answer is that we like grow up in this culture of like, everybody who makes art needs to be a martyr of some sort and to view what you're doing as a business really diminishes the whole I am an artist I sacrifice for my art it is all about the art mythos that we build behind everything Mm -hmm. like looking at a a profit and loss statement really will knock that out of you super quick (laughs) and that doesn't sound optimistic, but <laughs> for me, that all those people in that story are good actors and, you know, like, it is what it is. Pessimistically, I think people don't want to see certain parts of... This is both with money and with everything else, but I think certain people don't want to see certain parts of their life because if you have to, like, totally understand something and see every dimension of it, then you're accountable for it in a way that you wouldn't be if you just ignored it. And I think a lot of artists get to a point where they just want to be taken care of. And if they're very active in what they're doing, then it creates less of a need for other people to take care of. That's my that's my pessimistic answer to that. I think that's fair though. I mean, I've seen certainly, I've certainly seen that over the past multiple years. And I think that that is sort of the bummer perspective, but I think it's got some truth to it for sure.
That was Mope Around by Wimps. You're listening to The Future of What. After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Hunter Giles and Jordan Iannucci of Infinite Aggregate. So going back to nuts and bolts, you know, this is what you're telling artists. Save your receipts, get some software, and then is it kind of the thing where it's like, if it's QuickBooks online, you can also look at it. You can get into their QuickBooks and do stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. So so you can actually be still be the accountant. They just have to be the person who enters stuff. Actually, no. All I need for them is the ability to answer questions that I have. Ah. And most of the time, the ability to answer those questions revolves kind of exclusively around like if they have a receipt or if they like I, I have a spreadsheet. That is basically just like a list of dates and transactions. And I'm just like, what is this? Was this tour? Was this not tour? It's pretty conversational. Okay. And what about if someone's listening to this and being like, oh my God, like now I'm going to have to, you know, do QuickBooks and spend hours on this. If you've got someone who's pretty good about keeping records, how much of their time in a given week would you say they should be spending on this? If they're doing everything themselves or if they're working with somebody who is doing accounting for them. Well, if they're working with you, let's say, like uh, an artist who's working with you, how much of their time do, would they? you say they spend weekly updating you and, and putting stuff in QuickBooks? If we're both on top of our stuff, five minutes a week. Wow. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that definitely seems doable. Yeah. So, wow. No excuses, people. It takes a lot longer. This is where it takes a lot of time. And this is also a lot of clients that I have. I get an email sometime from November to February saying, I didn't do accounting for all of the last year and I need to get it ready for tax season. Ah. That takes me, I say, three to five times as long to do old books than it does to do new books. Right. Of course. If we're working on the last week to a month and everything is fresh in your memory and everything's easy to find, no time at all. If I have to ask you why you spent $56 on a Amtrak ticket last February, that's harder. Right. Okay, so what are your tips for, you know, musicians listening who might be thinking about, you know, how do they start to get their books straight? What are your tips? It's just like going to the gym when you haven't done it. Just like Go for a 20-minute jog every day is going to be weird at first, but after a while, it's no work at all. Nice. You just have to teach yourself that it's normal. <laughs> the new normal involves work. Yeah. Sorry, people. I know. That's the bottom line of this whole podcast. It's all work. <laughs> yeah. Work. Yeah. Should we get Hunter involved? I feel I feel bad for you, Hunter. We should talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I honestly do enjoy hearing Jordan Michael talk about it, and that's why we're partners but yeah, my side of the business is uh, pretty much completely separate, although there are a few clients where we overlap. But the basic division is that generally Jordan Michael works with bands and I work with labels doing their royalty accounting. And there are a couple labels that we team up on and would like to team up on more labels where Jordan Michael does their bookkeeping, QuickBooks stuff, and I do the royalties. There is some overlap there, mostly in expenses, but not a ton. And I've kind of built my whole system so that you don't need a bookkeeper. You can get around it. You should have a bookkeeper generally if you're at the stage where you're hiring me to do your royalties. But <laughs> many of my clients do not. 
So I figured out how to work around that. And yeah, do royalty accounting, which is a very different kind of accounting that nonetheless interacts with what Jordan Michael does. And so we sort of figured out a year ago that we would do well to team up and cover sort of both sides of the equation, as it were. Yeah. How did you guys decide? I mean, obviously, like for someone like me who works in the industry and has for 20 years, like there's an obvious need for these services that you guys are providing. But how did you guys come to to realize that these services were needed? I did it at the first label that I worked at where I was sort of the person who was interested in it and somebody needed to do it. So I started to do it in a very, very rudimentary way. When I left that label job, and was supposed to go to school and ended up not going to school. So I just sort of had more time than I expected and was talking to a friend of mine who owns a label. And I think I showed him one of my, like, one of my royalty accounting templates. And he, his eyes kind of lit up and he said, oh, I desperately need that. Can I pay you to do that for me? And that was pretty much the start of it. And then as I started to add more or just like have the conversation with more and more people who run labels, it became very clear that this was a very underserved area of the business. And for a couple of years, I kind of resisted sort of diving in headlong into it for a number of different reasons. But a year or two ago, I don't know, I made a couple sort of breakthroughs in the system that made it feel like I was really adding a lot more value than just like, doing the data entry that other people didn't want to do. And at that point, I was able to do the same amount of work in a lot less time and raise my hourly rate just to keep up and add a bunch more clients. And so many of my clients were asking if I knew how to do bookkeeping also, that I tried to learn bookkeeping or I tried to do it and I just can't. It's like a whole different (laughs) type of work that I just am not suited for. But I love doing royalties. And so I kind of started looking around for a bookkeeper to partner up with and had a few false starts, but have known Jordan Michael for, I think, 10 years now. Uh, He actually booked the first, Jordan, the first show that you booked was... Twin Sister, right? Yeah, the first show I booked was Twin Sister show, basically right around the time Hunter started managing them. And that's how we met. And I used to book shows at this venue called The Silent Barn that moved locations. And I was living and working at this new location, which was much bigger than the old location. And kind of did the books there because... Nobody else was doing them, and I kind of got tasked with it. So I learned bookkeeping through that and ended up kind of coming to Hunter with this just because people kept asking me if I could do their books. And I was like, oh, if people want to pay me money, I should probably say yes. Here I am. Awesome. Well, Jordan Iannucci and Hunter Giles are the people, and Infinite Aggregate is the company. Guys, thanks so much for being with me on The Future of What today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Horse Feathers, Cindy Wilson, Wimps, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. 
For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rock Stars. See you next week. <laughs>